Did you, at least when you're on campus, do you drive 10 miles an hour just in spite? Uh, no, I, I, I kind of stick to the stick to the 18. I, you know, I got 10. I, there's a few 10 miles an hours in like a few parking lots. Just so I think they were feeling guilty. <laughs> you know, like, well, we got some 10 miles an hour, a few spots. It's like by the garbage cans, yeah. like the parts you don't see. Hello and welcome to Always College Football. Today is Tuesday, November 22nd. We appreciate you being with us from wherever it is you're coming to us from, whether that's ESPN's YouTube channel or if you're here with us via the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. So we really look forward to our interactions with you. I've noticed a few things, by the way. See the comments. We're, we're here. We're, we're seeing. We're reading. We're trying to make sure that we tailor the show to your wants, to your needs, to your likes, and to your desires. So don't worry. Continue to comment on the videos. Continue to comment in the podcast review page. That helps us out a lot. And you can always hit up the show at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. We might be diving into our mailbag here in just a minute because we have so many good questions that y'all sent in. So we're going to answer some of those today. But before we get to that, we're going to visit with, at worst, at worst, the third best Manning to have ever gone through Oxford, Mississippi. Eli Manning joins the show. Now, I don't know if Archie's one or Cooper's one, but they're probably 1A, 1B. Eli's a comfortable three at the very worst. He might be 1C, depending on how good the interview is. So without much further ado, let's kick it off with Chad Power. Uh, excuse me, Eli Manning. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, in honor of Thanksgiving week, we give thanks to one of our favorite Mannings. He's certainly in the top four or five. Uh, he's Eli Manning. Eli, welcome to Always College Football, my friend. Uh, of course, Greg. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I appreciate so much you taking some time as, as we lead up to what should be a very exciting game coming up in a couple of days. Ole Miss against Mississippi State. Now, let's set the record straight before we get into kind of the details and your experience playing in this game. I read somewhere that your number one school was actually Mississippi State, but they never offered. Can you <laughs> confirm? I can deny. I can I can deny that. Not true. Never, never. My dad would not let me uh, even, you know, say the words Mississippi State. Um, but, uh, you know, so I grew, I grew up an Ole Miss fan all the way through, uh, you know, I was getting recruited. I did, I looked at some other schools and, and, uh, went on some visits never to Starkville, but, uh, but, uh, went on some other spots, but ultimately, uh, couldn't leave Ole Miss and, uh, it's still home. I'll, I'll, I'll actually be, I'll be at the game Thanksgiving day in Oxford, uh, rooting on my reps. 
Oh, that'll that'll be awesome, man. So how how close were you as you went through that process and as you were kind of assessing everything? Obviously, I'm sure there's probably a little bit of family pressure to go to Ole Miss. I would imagine that Peyton was probably pushing you towards Tennessee as well. So so what was that process like? You know, it was uh, it, it was wide open. I think you know my 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 parents went to Ole Miss. My dad obviously went there. My brother Cooper. Um, went there, you know, Peyton couldn't get in, um, you, you know, just academics, um, uh, yeah, they're tough there. And so he, you know, he had to, you know, go to that other school in Tennessee, but, um, but, you know, my dad wanted me just to find the best spot for me and, and he didn't care if that's old miss or wherever. So I, I went on lots of visits. I was actually, I went, I went to Texas. I went to Texas on a great visit, Mac Brown, recruited me they had things rolling there was impressed with this the facilities the culture everything going there I kind of see why my my nephew Arch is is heading that way I mean they have a lot to offer and so I was probably heading and to Texas and, and that was the my favorite at the time and then a few weeks later David Cutcliffe became the head coach of Ole Miss he left Tennessee as the offense coordinator I remember him uh, just from going to camps at Tennessee, being around Peyton, had a great relationship with him. And so when he became the head coach, it really, you know, made Ole Miss the the, the right spot for me. I knew what kind, of, what kind of coach he was. I thought he could make me a better player, what kind of offense he was going to bring. And I was excited to go play for him. So here I was thinking the whole time that Cup was the one that was pushing Arch to Austin, but it was actually Uncle Eli is what you're telling me. That's what you're trying to tell me? I don't say I would push. I was pushing him to Austin. Those are harsh <laughs> words. But the whole NIL deal, I was offering Arch cars, you know, uh, all sorts of cash to go to Ole Miss. But you know, he just he didn't want any part of that. And uh, you know, we just we you know with Arch, we wanted him. This is his. This is his life. This is his recruitment. This is his football journey. Right. You got to go to the best spot for you where you feel comfortable. And um, and so I think he's he's gonna he's gonna be going to a good spot. Well, Arch's football journey is beginning. Yours, well, at least we thought, had come to a close. And then, sure enough, Chad Powers comes <laughs> into our life. Uh, I was actually calling the game between Minnesota and Penn State that you attended. And we uh, we actually put you up on national television, faunting you as Chad Powers. Uh, <laughs> presum- presumptive walk-on for the Penn State program. What What was that? What was that experience? Were you the brainchild of Chad Powers, or did that come from somewhere else? I, I wish I could. I should. I could claim the the brainchild. I think that the idea to go walk on um, to Penn State was just kind of doing this, uh, you know, for ESPN and doing Eli's places, doing a history of of college football, and been all over the country, and, and went and saw your old coach, and went to Alabama, and sat with Nick Saban, and been all over, and, and we knew Penn State did um these these walk-on days or these run-on days they call where you get got to go try out and so we we uh talked to coach franklin and asked if i could come try out but in disguise and so i learned quickly in in showbiz it's it's easier to make someone look older than have to make someone look younger and so uh (laughs) i think uh you know with chad you know i'm 41 they're supposed to, you know, make Chad look like he was like 22. I think Chad looked like he was 45. So he yeah. made it look older than me, actually. But, you know, but they didn't know it was me. They didn't know it was Eli. They maybe knew something. They thought this guy looked kind of weird and it was saying funny things. But, um, you know, once kind of the mask was or the makeup was on and the mustache was on and the and the good flow with the hair was on, 
all that was just kind of made up improv coming up with stories. There was no script and just, uh, just, you know, I was a little, a little worried about the 40 yard dash, a little worried about the five, 10, five, didn't want to pull a hammy, just, you know, wanted to get to the throwing part and, uh, enjoyed the whole experience. It was good to get out there and compete a little bit and get to throw a little one-on-one. Well, I'll say this. Um, I thought you threw the ball okay. I wouldn't say it was great. I thought some of the praise coming from the coaches that they caught on camera was a little lavish. The ball was not it was not super tight the way I anticipated from you. Are you a little rusty as you went on to the run on day? Is that what you're suggesting? I mean, I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't thrown a pass in three years. So I thought for a <laughs> three year hiatus, not bad. I think I think compared, you know, to the other quarterback that was there, I yes, I, I look pretty I look pretty good. And uh he was a he was a good kid. I think he was the first one that kind of like something's wrong with this guy. I'm not sure <laughs> right. who he is, but I don't think he is who he's saying he is. And then I started throwing and he's like, wow, all right, this, this is, you know, this ball is coming out a little different than yeah, mine right. looks, looks like. And so, but, uh, uh, so just compared to maybe their usual quarterback walk on, um, I, I probably threw it better than what they're, they're, they're used to seeing. Yeah. I, I would, I would like, I would like to think that you would, um, be able to weather that storm, uh, okay. when going up against the, the average college football walk on. I mean, you are, uh, obviously one of the most celebrated, football players in the history of college football. Um, that's why I wanted to ask you a series of questions about historically a um, few things. Obviously, your your dad is always held in such high regard. And I mean, even to the extent in which around Oxford, Mississippi, around the football facility, it's 18 miles an hour speed limit, right? Yeah. yeah. Like when you're driving campus, the whole campus, the whole campus, whole campus is See, like i don't ever now. go to the other areas like i'm a i'm a football guy like i don't mess around with the quad and the grove and all that <laughs> nonsense like i'm dialed in on xo so i don't see the other parts but did you at least when you're on campus do you drive 10 miles an hour just in spite uh no i i, I kind of stick to the stick to the 18 i, I you know i got 10 I, there's a few 10 miles an hours in like a few parking lots just like i think they were feeling guilty <laughs> you know like well we got some 10 miles an hour a few spots it's like by the garbage cans yeah. like the parts you don't see they just like i think they're throwing some away and just kind of put them up there for me just there you know, i'm like oh that's you know you really you really don't have to it's, it's like it's fine i don't need any <laughs> mile an hour speed limits it's okay i get it so um no it's it's uh my, my dad is he, you know he, he's he's the legend there you kind of walk the uh you walk campus or you go on game day and and, and walk to the stadium with my dad and you know i can it's it's i like to do it. i just follow him everybody surrounds him he's taking pictures and i can just go you know under the radar and uh, no one cares about me so i'm i'm, I'm good with that i enjoy it I thought him being at 18 miles an hour was actually referenced just how athletic he was relative to his sons. I mean, he's a runner, right? I mean, right. Like, he could he run that fly. fast. <laughs> yeah, he, he could run 18 miles an hour and I can only run 10. So that's yeah. why uh, that's why I picked that number. Yeah, makes go, perfect sense. Go there. So yeah. maybe maybe Coop, uh, you know, when I when I chose old Miss, people always ask, like, hey, were you nervous kind of following in your dad's footsteps there? I said, well, my dad – it was 30 years ago he played. I was actually more nervous following in Coop's, uh, my brother Coop's <laughs> footsteps because he was a social legend at, uh, <laughs> at Ole Miss. And, you know, I saw pictures of him streaking sorority row. I think he kind of hit that 18 miles an hour back when he was in college. So I knew I would not be able to compete with his stats and uh, his performance that he uh, he pulled off in college. Maybe we'll get uh, documented evidence and maybe a rebuttal from Soup. 
uh, soup with Coop at some point. Um, yes. Maybe he can yes. turn down. I think it sounds like, like everyone knows that Katy Perry t- tore Oxford to the ground, but I, I think she was just following in the footsteps of, of what Coop did several years prior. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, you obviously t- 2003, phenomenal year for you. You finished third in the Heisman Trophy. Had Peyton won the Heisman Trophy in 97, do you think he would have cast a vote with your name on the one line? I think he would have voted for Larry Fitzgerald. You know, I think, uh, <laughs> he, he, he likes the receivers. He would not voted, you know, voted for me. And, uh, um, you know, so hey, Jason, Jason White uh, won it that year. That's, it's actually a good, good trivia question. I kind of throw around to people. Larry Fitzgerald's become a great pal of mine. We play some golf together. We're around each other. And we will often ask, hey, 2003 Heisman Trophy. Larry got second place. I got third place. <laughs> who won and uh not many people come up with jason white but uh i got to we actually got to be be around jason uh last year shooting one of my eli's places with him and, and went to oklahoma and and uh we were making our own heisman trophy larry and i because we never got to have one and, and jason made an appearance <laughs> and uh kind of rubbed it in our face that you know he's he was getting his brought in to get polished up and and, and fixed up so uh he, he deserved it oklahoma had a great great year and a great run but uh it was fun being you know just being a part of the uh that, that Heisman scene and going there and, and and made you know got a great friend out of it with uh with Larry Fitzgerald and and also Jason White well obviously Larry and you both went on to phenomenal careers so you got the last laugh I suppose in, in the NFL world but as it relates to college Jason White still way better than you yes uh, but... I'm okay with that I accept that <laughs> no of course tongue-in-cheek uh bigger sandbagger Peyton on the golf course or Larry Fitzgerald on the golf course just side uh, note oh just this yeah not, not even close Larry is the only guy who you know he goes and and wins the uh the AT&T tournament at Pebble as like a nine handicap and then the next year he comes back and they say he's an 11 handicap i'm like i can't win the thing and then your handicap goes up two more points when you know he's sending me scores like he sends a screenshot of his score playing places and it's like 74 here and a 76 there and all of a sudden he's at 11 i mean geez that's uh that's pretty bad um but he's he's a uh you know he's working now now he's on tv and calling games so maybe he's not 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 able to play as much so maybe he can he can actually legitimately play to that 11 handicap i doubt it though yeah something tells me that won't happen all right so let's let's get to the game this week uh i i've called four of them eli like I, this this rivalry is filthy like I mean, <laughs> and, and that's like in a positive way i i don't know what it was like when you were in school but the last five or six years given all the things that these programs have experienced there's no love lost between <laughs> Ole miss and mississippi state so what was your experience like playing in the egg bowl yeah, you know, and we always played. Yeah, we played on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day or Thanksgiving night, and that was a great tradition. And just going against the in-state rival, and so for me, I was from Louisiana, but all those kids, you know, both 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 teams are filled with kids from Mississippi. These guys went to the same high schools, played against each other in basketball and all-star games. I mean, they they truly do not like each other, and so. Um, you know, it's just a it's a heated a heated rival, and you know you, you have clips from uh, years before Deuce McAllister, you know, punching <laughs> punching a guy uh, <laughs> in the face and all bloody before a game, and like you know, kind of pregame, uh, just you know, going at each other and different things. So it, it's yeah, it's it's no love lost, and now you got two, you know, legendary 
coaches got a coach in these teams and, and their antics and everything that, that they do. So it's, uh, it's a lot of, a lot of tongue in cheek, a lot of talking beforehand and, and, uh, but you know, both programs, uh, you know, they kind of get, had their ups and downs, but both of them are playing well and can, can win football games in the sec and compete with everybody. I'll say this. One of, one of the most, uh, I guess one of the most memorable moments, I mean, goodness, there've been a handful in recent years, but one of the most memorable moments was when Matt Corral actually got thrust in the lineup. Jordan Ta'amu got hurt. Matt Corral came in as a backup quarterback and started a fight down 30 uh, <laughs> against Mississippi State. It was like five, four or five years ago. It was absurd. Yeah. I've never seen a backup quarterback start a fight. Uh, I'm not sure. Is that ever frowned upon. your mind? It's, yeah, that's front. You know, you know, it's it's frowned upon. Uh, you know, when I was uh, when I was a backup there, I did not I did not start any fights. Uh, actually, one of the one of the main reasons I went to Ole Miss is because of the Egg Bowl. Uh, I was I was a senior. In, in you know in high school was kind of finishing up my my senior year I guess or, or, or I was about done or, or you know my football season trying to figure out where I was going to go to college and Romero Miller was the starting quarterback at Ole Miss he got hurt and so David Morris came in and started the Egg Bowl <laughs> and I watched that game and I said I should go to Ole Miss because I'm pretty sure I could start right now after watching David <laughs> Morris's performance in that game and so uh, you know went there David. Uh, end up, you know, being you know, one of my best friends, and and it was my backup quarterback there. He's actually uh, came up to New Jersey and and hung out with me the other week. We went to a Giants game together, so still one of my best friends. Still coaching a lot of uh, a lot of uh, football, and and as he should be, he's he's a much better coach than uh, than he was a a freshman quarterback <laughs> against Mississippi State. Yeah, for those who can't do, they teach a coach, David Morris. Uh, also, another guy that would be in the running of social chair. Uh, alongside Coop as a guy that always won the party, he might not have always won the game, but uh, he was very much in line with Ole Miss. So uh, explain to me this. You're the starting quarterback at Ole Miss. Uh, they famously, you know, have one of the best tailgate scenes, one of the best, one of the best cities. I mean, I, I think Oxford, Mississippi is as good as it gets, maybe, sure. maybe the best in, in America. So what does a game day look like in victory for Eli Manning when you were, say, 21 years old? Yeah, we, I would I would go to the Grove and go back there. My parents had a had a tent, you know, and it was it was good. Um, it was obviously this is pre cell phone, so no one, you know, I mean, you <laughs> might have a cell phone, but you don't have a camera on your phone, so no students have it's a camera. You don't take a camera to a game, so you could just kind of go there. Um, you know, no one had like the, you know anything to sign, so you'd kind of I'd bring a few teammates back, and we'd go tailgate, have some some food. There might be a few drinks in a red solo cup, what you know, <laughs> some Gatorade and some Sprite sure. or whatever you know might yeah. be in there. You'll never know. Yeah. Um, and just kind of get to hang out. I remember one game we actually we uh we beat we beat uh beat Alabama my sophomore year, and I kind of got my hand uh banged up, and and you know it was you would go there and have to sign some autographs, and you're trying just to hang out. You're seeing family, you got friends coming in the games. You want to just kind of see your people and I was had to sign some autographs but that Alabama game I kind of banged up my hand so I had my hand wrapped up and so I had a kind of a free excuse I said hey I can't sign autographs today I just you know my hand I can't grip I don't want to sign lefty and so um I just kind of kept doing it even after the hand had healed I just kind of learned hey maybe tape up the right hand I just I jammed the fingers just so I don't have to <laughs> sign any autographs I can drink I can drink lefty in the grove today so um that was kind of my trick move but it was a great great to go in there and, and hang out uh it's gotten crowded now now we go my, my, my kids will go 
Um, you know, we'll go Thursday, a little walk through, but I kind of, I kind of hang out at some other spots, let my, my kids and, and my wife go there and see everybody. It's a little, it's a little chaotic now with the, the cell phones and the, and the picture taking it's, it's hard for me to go hang in there too long. Yeah, I can imagine, man. Well, we can't tell you how much we appreciate the time today. It's been so much fun to kind of visit. But before I get you out of here, uh, I have to ask you, best Egg Bowl memory since it's coming up just a couple of days from now? You know, I, I guess, uh, you know, my I, I'm trying to think what year. My, my I guess it was my junior year. Just, uh, we, you know, um, Played in the Egg Bowl to you know win that win that game. Uh, I was kind of banged up. I'd hurt my elbow you know week before, but you know just it's always cold. And to hit Chris Collins on a slant mm-hmm. at home that he took about eighty yards, and just uh, after you know afterwards you have your my parents and my family there. Eat, you know go go back to their uh, little spot and, and eat Thanksgiving dinner with the. Uh, you know, with now my my wife and and uh, my 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 mom and my parents and and I'm sure Coop was there. So just a, a, it was a good Thanksgiving to get a win, throw a touchdown, eat some turkey, and uh, be with family. And see, I actually I looked up the box score. I was assuming you were going to say that one. Uh, I thought the ball traveled 80 yards in the air. I I didn't realize it was a catch and run. <laughs> but either way, it's uh we don't have to necessarily draw it up right now. Eli, thank you so much, man. We so appreciate you and we look forward to visiting again soon. All right, Greg. Appreciate it, pal. Be well. All right. Great stuff from Eli there, man. So grateful to be able to kind of talk about some of those memories and the egg bowl and all the fun stuff that he got to experience over the course of his time down in Oxford, Mississippi. What a great place Oxford is, by the way. Just a phenomenal place. And you know, the egg bowl will be rocking here a couple days from now. Keep it locked in here because we're going to do an Egg Bowl preview. We're going to do a bunch of previews this week, I might add. It is rivalry week after all, and we need to set the table with some unbelievable breakdowns to get you prepared. Also, we need to get to some of our mailbag questions. I told you earlier in the show, at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com, if you send us the mailbag questions, just send us the mailbag questions. We're going to get to them. Now, we have a bunch, okay? So full disclosure, we have a bunch of folks that have sent in awesome questions. Some are going to be better answered in the off season, which is why we've kind of stockpiled those. And several are good for right now. So we've tried to make sure that we answer them if they're applicable to the actual season right now. We think that it's going to be really important to get to those because they'll be dated if we do them in February. So without much further ado, without much more buildup, I built it up about as much as I can. Please continue to send mailbag questions. Always call football at gmail.com. But Coops, kick it off. All right. The first one comes from Dan. I don't see why conference realignment needs to end the rivalry game. Georgia, Georgia Tech play every year. They play in different conferences. Same goes for Clemson and South Carolina. Just because you're moving to another conference, why does the rivalry have to end? It doesn't. It's a, it's an it's honestly one of the most irritating things about conference realignment is how emotional fan bases and administrators have gotten about the rival team leaving for what's best for them. Like, what does Oklahoma honestly owe Oklahoma State anything? Honestly. Like, at at its core, 
do they really owe them anything? Like if Oklahoma feels that it's in their best interest to move to the SEC and the SEC won't take Oklahoma State, is Oklahoma supposed to say, no, sorry, we can't, we can't do that. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Like, of course, Oklahoma's going to go. But it's extremely stubborn, short-sighted, and I think it doesn't serve the fan. Ultimately, right, we're supposed to serve the fan. That's all of us in the media. That's all of us that, you know, love college football. Like, we want to serve the fan. That, that, I think, is the most important thing. And, yeah, okay, each individual school, they want to serve their fans too, right? They want to put a good product on the field. They want to win games. They want to serve the student-athlete. They want to serve the fan. That's what these college football organizations are all about. Well, are you serving the fan if you completely do away with any future playing of your rivalry game? No, you're not. That game matters to your own fan base, and it also matters to your rival's fan base. But here's the problem, and I've seen it on display now for 10 years, having lived in Dallas-Fort Worth for a vast majority of my life, and to have experienced firsthand Texanum leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. I feel Texas fans look down their nose at Texas A&M, and Aggie fans look down their nose at Texas fans because they feel like they don't need each other. We don't need you. We're, we're great without you. Look at us now. We're great without you. Both fan bases feel that way. Like They both think that they're better than the other, which is perfectly fine, which is all the more reason why that game should be played. But if you look at the fact that that game was pretty much done away with when A&M left for the SEC, all the Aggie fans think it's the Longhorns fault. All the Longhorn fans think it's the Aggies fault. Both administrations are pointing fingers at one another. Get the game played. Like if it's in the best interest to serve your fans, get the game played. Georgia, Georgia Tech is a tremendous example. Why? Because Georgia Tech was at one point a member of the SEC. Get the game played. Louisville and Kentucky, get the game played. Clemson, South Carolina, make sure the game continues to be played. And there's plenty of examples, by the way. Maryland, Virginia, I'd love for that rivalry to be renewed. Bedlam can't go away. But right now, Oklahoma State's saying, no, we don't need them. We don't need Oklahoma. Oklahoma's saying, we definitely don't need them. We're going to the SEC and we're going to line our pockets. Like, you do need each other. That's why Bedlam's been one of our favorite games for the last 20 years. You need each other. Just acknowledge that you need each other and get the game played instead of being emotional and trying to pretend like you're above it. And it's not exclusive. I know we feel like we're kind of picking on Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. We're not. It's just they're the most recent example because the game was played last week. But man, get these games played. Get them scheduled. Get Missouri-Kansas back on the schedule. Get Notre Dame-Michigan back on the schedule and make these things happen. I really, really don't want to see in an effort to expand and realignment, I don't want to see rivalries and traditions thrown away. All right, next one. This is from Bryce. If Jaden Daniels stays at LSU for the 2023 season, what are LSU's chances of competing and winning a national title? Very real. Uh, very, very real. I mean, think about the nucleus of this roster. Jaden Daniels transferred there in the summer. Didn't play great in the first month of the season. Still kind of learning and feeling his way into the position. But 
look at where he's at now. Look at how much more confident he is. Look how much better he is at being able to throw the football down the field, being decisive in the past game, allowing his feet to talk to him, allowing him to get through progressions. He's a completely different player. Jaden Daniels looks so much more comfortable today than he did in week one against Florida State. Week one against Florida State, it's like, no, I don't trust my feet. I don't trust my eyes. I'm running. Now, it's like, all right, I trust my feet. I trust my eyes. I don't necessarily like it, so maybe I'll run. But if I run and you come up and play me in the run, I'm going to throw it. Like He is playing at a very, very high level right now. But he's not playing quarterback alone. You can't. His two tackles, bookend tackles, both are true freshmen. Their best defensive player is Harold Perkins, true freshman. Malik Neighbors is a young weapon at wide receiver. He's only a sophomore. How about Mason Taylor, who had the game-winning touchdown or game-winning the two-point conversion and the go-ahead score for LSU at tight end? True freshman. I mean, this is a young core across the board. A lot of young players on this roster that are really, really talented. And guess what? If you look at how Brian Kelly has kind of attacked the portal, they've already had some success with portal guys already. Makai Wingo. At LSU, he's playing defensive tackle. He's been phenomenal. You look at uh, Makai Garner at corner. He's been terrific. Transfer from Louisiana. You look at a bunch of Jarek Bernard Converse. Transfer. They've already had success with transfer players. So now Brian Kelly can say, hey, man, look at the blueprint. I made these transfers come in. They all had great years. They went and competed for a championship. And now they've probably improved their position if they get drafted this year from where they were the year before. I think Jaden Daniels should come back, but I also think he's going to be surrounded by a really talented core, not just along the front, but at wide receiver and tight end as well. Going to probably still continue to recruit really good backs. I think they're going to be solid at running back again next year and many years into the future. Why? Because LSU always is. And then I think defensively, man, you got a game changer who's coming to his own. And guess what? Your best defensive player coming into the season, Mason Smith, was lost on the first defensive possession of the season against Florida State. He's back. He'll be a third-year player next year after he had reconstructive knee injury, knee surgery after he hurt his knee celebrating on the first drive. So I think LSU, the, the scary part, I think, for college football is that this might be the worst LSU team that Brian Kelly has. They might be better and better and better here in the years to come if he can continue to make inroads on the recruiting trail and continue to develop players and bring them along and improve from September to October to November. I think it's it's going to be very, very exciting for LSU fans, to say the least, here in the next couple seasons. All right. This one came in uh, midweek last week, so it was before Clemson hung 40 on Miami. But it was Justin who asked, what do you think of the struggles of Clemson on offense? Do you think Dabo made a mistake hiring in-house and not reaching out on offense and defense? I don't think I can necessarily say he made a mistake because that's what they've done, right? They've promoted from within. That's been the Clemson way. And it makes sense in this particular case, too. Um, they did so when you know Chad Morris left, and then came Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott. Jeff Scott left, and Tony Elliott became the guy, and Tony Elliott left. I mean, it's just kind of the way they've done things on offense for quite a while. So it's not really that surprising that this is the route that they decided to take. I think their personnel is just not as good as they once were. 
I mean, tell me right now, tell me, if you're a diehard Clemson fan, is there a Mike Williams on the perimeter? So I don't I don't see one. Like, is there a game-changer, game-changing Amari Rodgers in the slot? I don't see one. Like, I've heard for five years now, four years now, that Joseph Ngata was supposed to be the next Mike Williams. Well, that's never come to fruition. That's never materialized. Like, look at their weapons right now offensively. Okay, yeah, they Shipley's terrific at running back. He's phenomenal. Love him. I think the offensive line is okay. But they've never been elite on the offensive line. Like, look at their draft picks off the offensive line. And they've never been elite, ever. Not like some of the others that have been at the top of college football, a la Georgia, a la Ohio State, a la Alabama. They've never had difference makers along the offensive line. They've had fine players, and their offensive line has never really been a liability. But their weapons aren't as good. Their running back is. I think Shipley and ETN, who's the best back in Clemson history, in my opinion, Shipley and ETN are interchangeable. Those two guys are both excellent. But ETN had a first overall pick standing next to him. I mean, Trevor Lawrence... From Trevor Lawrence to DJ Uyunglele, very, very different. You can tell me, well, Cade Klubnik is going to be the next. No, not at this point. Trevor Lawrence was carving dudes up, even as a true freshman. There were times when he was the best player on the field, even as a true freshman. So they're not as good at quarterback. They're not as good at wide receiver. They're about the same on the offensive line, and they're just as good at running back. So we could talk about the coordinator and all these other things. You know what makes coordinators great? Great personnel. And right now, compared to the expectation level that Clemson has, especially for their offense, their personnel is nowhere near what it's been in the past. So can they get back? Sure. But they better go out and they better go get some game-changing wide receivers, and they have to at some point hope that either Cade Klubnik becomes the next game-changing quarterback for the Tigers, or they need to recruit the next one that could potentially be a top 10, top 15, top 20 pick. Because when this offense is at their best, it's because you have an unbelievable trigger man pulling, uh, unbelievable trigger man in there at quarterback. So I think it's going to be very, very important for them to do a great job in development and great job in recruiting here so they can get back to scoring the way that they once did last handful of years. Starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. Between all those bumpy twists and turns comes the actual business side of your business, which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can manage your business with confidence from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business, no problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, final thought here as we put a bow on a nice Tuesday show. Thanks to Eli Manning 
for taking so much time and spending it with us and really enjoyed the mailbag questions. Continue to hit us with those mailbag questions, man. It's been awesome. Absolutely awesome to be able to interact with y'all. So please continue to send those in and we'll get to them as soon as humanly possible. The big takeaway rankings release tonight. Okay. I'm just going to prepare you accordingly. There are going to be people that are screaming at the top of their lungs about a perceived bias. Don't listen to them. Don't, don't listen. Don't even pay them attention. There are going to be people that are so unreasonably obnoxious about what comes out in the rankings tonight that it's going to make you sick to your stomach. Don't listen to them. Just know that if they're screaming really, really loud, it's because they have to. That's the only way they get attention. Okay? Don't give them that. But be prepared tonight for people to start saying just how biased the committee is towards the SEC. Be prepared for that tonight. Why? Because here's what I anticipate. I think Georgia will be one. That shouldn't require much explanation. I think Ohio State and Michigan will be sitting at two and three. I think TCU will obviously be four. And I fully expect USC to move up into number five. But people are going to point to Tennessee. How far down can Tennessee actually fall? Tennessee just gave up 63 points and got drug on the road by South Carolina. It was ugly. It was a really bad performance. A really, really bad performance. And there are people out there which pit, with pitchforks and you know, torches that are about to lose it because Tennessee is going to drop just one spot in the rankings. How can you justify dropping them more? There are going to be people associated with the ACC that kind of carry an ACC banner that are going to freak out because Clemson is probably going to stay at nine after they absolutely destroyed absolutely destroyed Miami over the weekend and looked great on defense. They're probably going to stay at nine. I'd be surprised if they moved up. I don't know how they could. If you thought Bama, who is at eight, if you thought LSU, who is at seven, if you thought USC, who's at six, and Tennessee, who is at five, if you thought all those teams were better than Clemson, then what changed from last week to this week? Clemson's probably going to be nine. I think Tennessee's going to be six, and people are going to lose it. Don't pay them any attention because you have to look at what Tennessee's accomplished. I'm not saying that Tennessee is, is within striking distance of the playoff. I don't think Tennessee can make the playoff. I don't see a path for them to get into the playoff, especially with Hendon Hooker's injury. I just don't think there's any chance that they'll make the playoff. But I also know that Tennessee beat the team that should be ranked seventh. That would be LSU. They also beat the team that's ranked eighth. That would be Alabama. So how can you possibly justify Tennessee being beneath both Alabama and LSU? The answer, you can't. So don't be surprised tonight when the guys that are Big Ten homers you probably know who I'm referring to and the guys that are ACC homers and are really loud and very anti anti sec 
Be prepared for them to be screaming at the top of their lungs when the rankings get released tonight. Don't pay them any attention. Keep it locked in here on Always College Football because we cover everybody equally. I, I don't care what league you're in. If you're great, we're going to acknowledge it. If you stink, I'm going to tell you. Okay, Tennessee last Saturday stunk, but their resume is still really, really good. And they're still going to be at six. They shouldn't drop any lower than that. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Jack Foster, Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. We so appreciate you being with us every single day. Please like, rate, and subscribe to the show, whether that's on ESPN's YouTube channel or on the podcast. It helps us out, and it helps the show out. You can also reach out to the show, like I told you earlier. It's the third time I've given the email today, so please reach out. AlwaysCollegeFootball at gmail.com. Send us your mailbag questions. We'll get to them in a timely manner. But until then, we bid you adieu. We appreciate you very much. And we hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's always college football.